from one bullshit artist to another, we present the world's greasiest podcast, The Pod People. I'm Big Tease, your hootie tootie disco cutie. I'm Ben Sheets, and knife fried drinking! Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm due for a hot bath at the car wash. <laughs> Man, I feel like I need to... Take a go, bath? No, like, go, go through the car wash. Like I feel <laughs> oh, like yeah. I've become residually greasy from uh, this film that we've just watched. Uh, tonight was Ben's choice, and Ben made us watch... <laughs> A movie called The Greasy Strangler that came out in 2016, directed by Jim Hosking and starring Michael St. Michaels, Sky Elabar, and Elizabeth Durazo. And it is uh, uh, a movie about a greasy strangler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. This is one of the few movies where I feel like you get other senses with the the experience it's a movie i feel like you can smell and taste a lot of times yeah this is like uh, in the worst way asmr the movie <laughs> like i'm not one for asmr to begin with but like there were so many times during this movie where i got like physically uncomfortable from like the sounds that i was hearing yeah like like the the cringy really gross like bad asmr kind of stuff yeah yeah, yeah. i can i can dig that I yeah feel we, slippery we we went by arby's eat fresh uh to uh <laughs> b- before before we watched this movie <laughs> and uh, not a sponsor uh and <laughs> we all had our, our our greasy feasts in front of us and uh one by one uh, uh we we all put our food down. I think I said, like, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, I'm just not hungry anymore. <laughs> like, I hadn't eaten all day, and I just had to stop. I, I couldn't eat and watch this movie at the yeah, same time. Yeah, I lost my appetite pretty quickly, too, and, like, that's that's something to the film's credit, I'll man. say it's by design, and they did everything they were setting out to do. If you don't mind, Ben, I'm sure you, you, wanna, you have a lot of things you want to talk about because you've seen the film, but just... First impressions, because like we just watched it. Of course, um, I gotta say it's not poorly made. I'm gonna give the movie a lot of credit. It's <laughs> it's well shot. Everything I think done in this film is with is with very meticulous intent, and I, I, I credit to that. Uh, honestly, is it a film for me? Fuck no. Get it out. Get it out of here. I never want to watch this movie ever again. It's, it's so funny. I introduced this movie earlier today. I was saying, you both are either going to love this movie or absolutely despise oh, it. Oh, you knew. <laughs> you knew, you rat bastard. <laughs> I kind of love it, though. I mean, I, it's great. It's, it's, I say that, I say imagine that with love, but... If, John Waters made Pink Flamingos like a straight horror movie. I've I've got I've got a crossover comparison. It's Oh, I also do. It's it's you it, first. It's trauma shot by Wes Anderson. Oh, see, I was going to say it's if Tim Robbins made Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, word. I like that, too. Yeah, I got really strong, weirdly enough, Wes Anderson vibes out of this movie. Like the color palette, like the the light pinks and the pastels, the perfectly framed everything, you know? It has like, a very strong sense of production design. Yeah. Yeah. And see, the cameras are really art direction. pretty, too. Like, it's it's really, it's a crisp film. It, like, it, the, it looks uh, great. 
<laughs> I mean, I, in many ways, I think that makes it worse. Yes. I, I, oh no. Yeah. It, it's it's both sake. It's it's taking the sacred and making it profane. It's, I think, it's wretched. I think your instinct is is right on, Cleveland. I'm hoping by the end of this episode, I know how I feel about this movie because I spent a lot of the movie being in equal measure impressed and completely revolted. But whereas in other movies, I could, I would be okay. Like accepting my distaste and hatred, like, Everything that I hated in this movie, I knew I was supposed to hate. Yeah, I don't know. And so in that sense, it's extremely effective. Yes. But, oh my god, I was having such a bad time for most of this movie. Yeah, I don't know whether to be like, I hate it five stars or I love it zero stars. I, it's one of the yeah. two. The, the it's thing, one of the two. That is the main reason I picked this movie. I was not sure how I felt when I first watched it, but... It's been months since I first saw it, and I can't get it out of my head. God, it really is it, like the epitome of thanks. I hate it. Frankly, I'm Im- I'm impressed that you were able to bring yourself to, to watch, watch it, it again. again. Really, in after like such a short amount of time. Well, the thing is, I think it's a pretty funny movie. It's maybe the most juvenile movie, yeah. of all time. Juvenile is a great word, <laughs> um, but once again, completely by design, very clearly. Yes, yes. the intention is. Very apparent for the entire movie. I and never guessed. I never had to guess this film's motive. Yeah, even the bad acting. It's intentionally bad. But for once, that's why I, I, it was welcome. It regularly got laughs out of me. Like the intentionally bad acting. Normally, that that's really grating for me. Like well, either it, let it be actually bad or good. But but here it it works. In a way, it's not necessarily bad acting. It's just stilted performances non-human performances this feels like a movie made by aliens with humans the, the performances, as characters. all of the characters deliver their lines like neil breen does in yeah. his movie in like they way, have the script yeah. in front of them and and i and once again it's very obviously by design but it's like this whole movie kind of falls into the uncanny valley for me because it's like close to how things should be but just off enough that it is like viscerally unsettling well that's that's why i would consider this movie a horror movie you yeah. know not oh, just definitely. because of you know There's no question the, the the greasy strangler subplot which we'll get into but also because this movie is disturbing uh, hella unsettling and maybe well not maybe but definitely one of the most gross out disgusting fucked up yeah yeah really like i was way more grossed out by this movie than i was by just about anything else we've ever talked about on the podcast yeah i don't want to watch things like this and like it's i don't it's not even (laughs) christ greasy strangler subplot aside like it's not even that violent or gory it's not like it has its moments but it's like Every scene is disgusting. Yeah, it's every it's it wretched. Just, it's so terrible. Oh my god, relentless. Yeah, like relentlessly gross. I I saw in the very small amount of reading I did on this movie after we watch it that the original cut was forty five minutes oh longer. My god. Stop. Jesus Christ. Stop. It was already too much. I was begging this movie to 45 end. Forty five minutes longer and. 
they cut almost no full scenes. It was just cutting down all of the scenes they already had. So imagine every scene in this movie way longer. <laughs> well, the, the funny part is, especially with that, uh, this movie has a very distinct tone and sense of humor to it. Yes. A lot of the jokes come from things repeating to the point of them not being funny and then eventually they start being funny again it's one of those type of things i think of the uh the indian dude saying uh potato oh my over God, and yes. over again for example it does come back around it is it funny does, it does like and and same with like the the hootie tootie disco fruity and like all that stuff or whatever or, uh the like, horseshit artist yeah when he's sniffing see for, like, it's solid few minutes. oh yeah that was that was like that was well performed it's like almost, that was a good bit it's almost like this movie falls under that same category for me of like the repetition being funny and then really not funny and then funny again just like in those scenes that y'all have described the indian guy saying potato over again i thought was very funny then the horseshit uh artist bullshit artist scene i found exactly Exhausting. Oh yeah, that no, was, I'm tired. That was one of that was one of the ones one of the scenes that was originally much longer that they cut down, like oh that scene God. specifically. And I found it so fucking grating. <laughs> I was begging for that scene to yeah. end. But then the hootie tootie disco cutie <laughs> thing brought me back around. Like, so it's like it's. It, I don't. I'm so confused <laughs> by how I feel about this movie. It's well, like laughing at gunpoint, man. Yeah, like I, mean, I was almost. laughing like, because so, I needed to. Like you're I, so nervous mm -hmm. that like you have to laugh as some kind of coping mechanism. <laughs> I uh, well, yeah, the horseshit so, artist tired. thing. You know, I felt a very similar way on the first viewing, and. Knowing it was coming on the second viewing, it kind of made it funny in a mean-spirited way in that, like, it almost feels like the, the filmmakers are just cruelly extending it for as long as possible. Yes, you know, it absolutely did. We talk about good, bad movies and their lack of self-awareness and, like, the sincerity, and it's like, this movie has an abundance of self-awareness <laughs> like to to a ridiculous end it a lot of it does feel kind of mean-spirited it's always like we've got you we've got you captive you're stuck watching this yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck with you as much as i can like it feels like a prank and it's so offset by like how well it shot like you said like the quality is very nice like the there's a lot of work put into the production design it does have a kind of like kitschy wes anderson quality to it and it's like very framed, very fake, and, right? Very artificial, but it's so crisp that like you can f almost feel the fucking grease. It's like if if they had shot this on VHS or something, or had gone like the trash humpers route. I don't think it would have been as gross. Weirdly enough, no, no it's I agree. way more tactile because you can you can see every texture and you can almost taste and smell every texture and like i feel like the the gain on everybody's mics is just a tad too high the whole movie so you get a lot of like mouth sounds 
when they talk, when they eat. It's like really unpleasant to listen to. And that just brings me to a whole other aspect is I hate looking at all of these people. I hate every single character. I hate looking at them. I hate listening to them talk. I hate their presence (laughs) on screen. And that's part of what made me so uncomfortable. But they're doing such a good job. Well, that's the thing. It's so intentional, too. Yes, I know. Like, once again, uh, I know I'm supposed to hate them. I I commend the filmmaker Jim Hosking a lot for that because there's there's no real other singular vision in this type of respect in terms of like going as hard as you can to just gross you out i can't i can't imagine like having to just like submerse yourself in that mindset long enough to complete this film like to have to live that kind of level of disgusting like every day of your life for months at a time that's live but devote yourself to it right exactly because this this film has a lot of devotion in it like in its in its meticulous making it does an amazing job of of making you feel wretched and terrible uh news alert i don't want to feel wretched and terrible (laughs) get me off this bus i want to leave it's too good And what it does, it's trying to do. I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it at all. You know what other movie this this film reminded me of, and just kind of like the tone in general? Have you all seen, I know you have been, but Cleveland, have you seen Swiss Army Man? No, I haven't. I have it. Yeah, I yeah it's that very juvenile again sense of humor. It's adult. It's it's adult taken swim. to absurd levels. It's like it's very very much like the kind of shit that you'd see on Adult Swim. Well, this movie is very much Adult Swim in a lot of ways. It feels a lot like Tim and Eric. Yes, I was gonna say specifically um, uh, Big Braden, the the yes, main character. He looks a lot like Eric Wareheim. He looks. He oh, looks. He, does. he looks like Eric Wareheim playing uh, Napoleon Je- No, playing Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Okay, I can see it, yeah. And I kept thinking about Tim and Eric. I kept thinking about Swiss Army Man, because, like, those guys... The Daniels, whatever their last names are, did some shit for Adult Swim. Stuff that I've liked. Like, I Interesting Ball is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if, like, the charm of that kind of humor is that it's generally contained to something more digestible. Right, well, I mean, that's the thing about, like, uh, like a thanks-I-hate-it kind of meme yeah. or something, right? It's a fucking meme. It's there and it's gone. You can you can blink, you know, be like, Ugh, and then and then move on with your fucking life. Here, you're strapped in. Imagine being strapped and in for two hours and 15 minutes. It yep. takes a hold of you, God damn it. It's It's very immersive to the props of, you know, again, the filmmakers. I think they make this world so rich in details. Yeah. Even if it is... Details that I don't want. And, <laughs> you know, and textures even. But I think overall this movie has such a distinct sense of humor that I think carries it through some of those harder-to-watch parts. Sometimes, yeah. It's such a unique sense of humor between the stilted performances... The repetition to the point where it just becomes otherworldly and dreamlike. It becomes nonsense. Yes, it's very absurd. Well, you get these larger-than-life moments, particularly with the Greasy Strangler himself, which Mm -hmm. we might as well start getting into a little bit. Yeah, we've just been talking around the plot. Ben, why don't you uh, explain to our audience what the fuck this movie is about? Sure, so uh, Ronnie and his son Brayden have a disco tour and along the way they meet a girl who takes the disco tour 
and a sort of sick love triangle forms between them. Well, by disco tour, what exactly do you mean, Ben? I mean, they tour sites where the earth, the wind, and the fire uh, lived. <laughs> yeah, big air and, quotes on, uh, uh, <laughs> on tour. Yeah, it's like a walking tour where they go around and... Point uh, at dumpsters. And, and, and Ronnie say, is like, yeah, that doorway over there is where the Bee Gees uh, wrote the lyrics to such and such song. It's like a tour in the loosest sense of the word. <laughs> and they're both wearing these like pink turtlenecks and short shorts the first real bit of it we get is a big conflict between one of the tourists and them because he demanded free drinks because the advertisement for the tour said free drinks would be included and that devolves into a juvenile another, shouting match yes a juvenile one of shouting the, match one of the many <laughs> while we're on the subject of like the the outfits that they're wearing i think one of the things that I found really interesting about this movie is that I would describe its sense of style as like if the 70s never went away, just stagnated because like you've you've got these characters who run like a, a disco tour. Ronnie is telling all of these like obviously fake stories about like uh him partying down him with Michael partying Jackson. with Michael Jackson <laughs> and like John Travolta and shit like that. And just like everybody's outfits are so 70s but just like nasty. Whenever he goes out Ronnie wears this uh, like one piece, like disco jumpsuit, but the whole crotch area is mesh, so you can just see his uh gigantic pointy penis oh, that yeah. we see so many fucking times in the movie. I mean, really, like it should be credited like as the leading role. Yeah, I mean, it should. It's in. It's in. It Most dominates of the film. so much of the film. Like, like, okay, at a guess, like, how much screen time do you think his prosthetic dick has? Probably forty-five. Forty-five minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Half, uh, fully half the film. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Well, that comes down to the juvenile humor too, right? Because the the big crux of that is. Braden, his son, has a micro penis, but he has like a stupidly absurdly yeah. large but, penis. But mangled looking. Yes. Yeah, they both their both their dicks are like pointy. Like uh Ronnie even says at one point, like it's like the a giant mouse head. <laughs> Just like <laughs> what I'll say is it's a pretty funny gag. It is it's and a pretty then funny it's, gag. And then it's not. And then it, it is, is again. again. Yeah, it is and again. Like it does come around. Like the, okay. Like here's here's the thing that had me laugh. Had me laugh every time. The fucking car wash. The man. car wash. <laughs> makes me laugh car wash every single like, time. Just that that quick cut to like him like just going ah like standing in like uh, just a single like naked old man standing in inside of a full car wash running at full speed like getting like sprayed with water is hilarious. It's really every funny. time. Uh, like, that's, like, uh, something you'd see, like, uh, I mean, minus, like, the R-rated quality of it, like, in, like, an old Monty Python movie or something. Like, well, it's, for, it's very for context, surreal. For context, he is, he's going to the car wash because, of course, he is, Ronnie is the greasy strangler. Oh, of course. And, uh, and he's literally just, like, dousing himself head to toe in grease uh, when he goes out to murder. So he has to clean himself off by going naked through the car wash, which, I agree with you, it made me laugh every single 
single time. Eventually, I knew it was coming too, and still, <laughs> still, still it's always, it always it's a made good me laugh. The cartoon violence is pretty yeah, let's fun. Let's talk about that. Uh, the first scene, we get the greasy strrangler really with the the three guys at the vending machine. Uh, the the, the tourists greasy... who wanted the free drinks. Yeah, uh, the greasy strangler appears, and yeah, it doesn't go well for the tourists. Let's say no. Well, I mean, he punches one of them in the face, and much like a cartoon, like his face kind of like caves in, and that's sort of like a th- like you said a theme of the violence in the movie is a uh, lot of people like eyeballs popping out of their heads from being strangled so hard i thought that was all pretty funny oh yeah yeah it's very over the top looney tunes-esque yes uh, exactly well and it's so rare when we get it in the movie that it feels like punctuations of these extreme violent moments yeah which i think make them work even more the only one, and I know it was supposed to be the grossest, but the one that I really didn't like is after he kills uh, Oinker and takes off his fake pig nose oh, and fuck. he just has Don't. like oh. the hole in there and he just dips his finger into his nose hole and like, yeah, that one was really terrible <laughs> to watch. I got my didn't, head in my hands. Did not enjoy that one. <laughs> um, the eyeballs oh. popping out of the head and then him like battering them and eating them. Pretty, pretty good bit. The nose hole thing. No, thank you. (laughs) I don't think theme is the right word, but it's the closest word. Uh, The themes of this film is is family. I've I've had uh, (laughs) since the beginning of this film, like uh, that clip of of Carrie Fisher talking about the last Star Wars movie and saying it's about it's about about family. family. (laughs) Like I've had that stuck in my head this whole time. The whole dynamic with the father and son is is the the most uncomfortable, wretched situation like you could possibly have. Oh, it's so fucking creepy and weird like them. Mm, no no good no bueno hated it absolutely hated it and like that's that's another thing is like these characters are so like physically disgusting by design that like the idea of having to even think about them in a sexual way at all which is, we're constantly is, forced to just yeah, that that is some stuff that like I certain things made me laugh but like so much of it I was just like Please, please, please stop doing this. If if we hadn't been doing this for this for the podcast, I would not have made it through this film. I, 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 I by choice, I would have I would have just decided I'm not I'm not I'm done. I'm not watching the rest of this movie. Like how many how many people do you think walked out of this movie at festivals? Most, because I feel like it was probably must have been a lot. plenty. Yeah, you know, I I was thinking during this movie maybe the most tense and anxious I've ever felt watching a movie for this podcast, or at least since something like the fucking Poughkeepsie tapes when we covered that literally years ago now, is after Ronnie and uh, meets Janet outside after when she's leaving, and he says, do you want to go inside and do something sensual? And then it just cuts to a shot of the ceiling that is agonizingly slowly panning down and the noises that you're hearing are just absolutely 
revolting. And just like my heart rate just started going through the roof faster and faster, the lower the camera panned. And it's like the most anxious I've been watching a movie that in that I can remember. To the film's credit, it elicited an extreme emotional response from me, someone who is generally pretty desensitized to horrible stuff. <laughs> well, and it's it's smart filmmaking because it'd be so easy to just cut to a gross-out shot of them having sex. But no, then you have to pan down to them having yeah. sex and, and slowly. It's like, it gets to a point where it's like, do I continue to like applaud how well it's done, or do I just say that they're crossing a fucking line and they need to stop? You that, know, but that, the thing like, is, like, like that's that, what they want you to be saying. I know <laughs> that's what they want you to be I, saying. Yeah. God damn it! Those are the buttons they're pushing, <laughs> like purposely. <laughs> generally like like the onus would just be on me to like choose to not watch it you know well, the, the, normally i'd have that fucking opportunity you know i think i think the comparison to pink flamingos is very apt it's very john waters-esque yeah in a lot of respects in terms of capital c camp campiness yes as well as intentional shock humor you know it's very punk rock trying to offend as many sensibilities as possible yes and it Um, does not being self-serious in any form i think that is very much due to the element of camp in this movie yeah um (sighs) (laughs) yeah certain point you know it's just like i don't know I, i just i think there's so much more artistry to like dancing on the line than just like fucking sprinting across it i don't think this film is going for artistry i i really think that it is like setting out i think to be like as gross of a movie as it can be and it does so with fucking flying colors well like it's it's so strange like i it's bizarre feeling like i i'm giving praise for talking about how much i hate something but i i feel like that's absolutely absolutely the intention and that's the weird thing, because compare this movie to a gross-out horror movie like, for example, The Human Centipede. Yeah. You know, they're very different types of gross-out horror. You know, where The Human Centipede is all about extremity and uh, nihilism, this movie doesn't feel nihilistic, per se. You know, it has that... No, that, absolutely not. The, the, the gross-out, grotesque nature but it's not mean-spirited necessarily towards its characters no 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 no. i don't think so i would even say that it ends heartwarmingly (laughs) the ending is probably one of my favorite things about this movie but i i think because it was over i think you're right it's like this it's it's weird it's like you talk about the human centipede and we put that on like one end of the spectrum and put this at the opposite end of the spectrum and i feel like your average like 70s exploitation film would fall like right in the middle of those two it's really weird it's like taking the same kinds of ideas and pushing them either towards good-natured ribbing or just like bleak nihilism and I like and dislike things about this and the human centipede. <laughs> and it's really, really, really a, a very strange yeah. feeling. Let's talk about some things that we did genuinely like. There are a few of those bits for me. Sure. 
I really love the score. It almost feels like Dan Deacon. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, like, I don't know how to re- best describe the music in this movie. I kind of hated it, but you're a musician. I would love to hear, like, how you would accurately describe the music of this movie. Because I um, think it's as bizarre as the rest of the film. I think once again, I hated it by design. Uh, I would describe it as Dan Deacon doing a Playboy Cardi baby voice while half asleep trying to do a John Carpenter score. <laughs> Super compressed and blown out. Yes, and uh, very, very simple melodies. Uh, you know, do-do-do-do-do-do-do over and over like again. Like banging on a child's MIDI keyboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, you know, it's very, like, made in a lethargic, half-sleeping state. And the the reason I love it is because I feel like it matches the tone of this movie really well. It matches the tone, it certainly does. And similarly to a lot of other things in this movie, the music drove me crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I know that's what it was trying to do. God damn it. I got got by this movie. Here's a question for you, because I feel like... We keep comparing this movie because I feel like that's all you can do in a lot yeah. of respects. But uh, I know you've seen it, and this is a movie I kind of love, but I know you hate. Uh, and that's Freddy, Freddy Got, Got Fingered. Fingered. I knew you were going to uh, say that. And in a lot of respects, tonally, they they feel somewhat similar in terms of the pure juvenile humor and the attitude towards the audience that they have. Yeah, I think it's a fair comparison. I I feel like I'm due for a rewatch of Freddy Got Fingered because I feel like it's the kind of movie that I need to watch every few years to see how it, <laughs> how it strikes me. Because I think there, as much as I despise that movie, I do think that there's a lot of brilliance to it. <laughs> and... Uh, I think I think what makes this movie more palatable for me than Freddy Got Fingered, and this is going to sound very bizarre, but this movie seems less stupid than Freddy Got Fingered. You know what I mean? There's more craftsmanship to this. There's one. a there's you know, way more craftsmanship with, with the cinematography and the production design. Like it seems like there is a filmmaker at the helm of it, not just right. you know a chicken with its head cut off at the where helm. where Tom Green was purposely trying to like make the worst thing he could to say fuck you to like the viewers and the and studios the studio, yeah it's like, like d- multi-million like, dollar prank right exactly this i feel like while it was designed to push my buttons the design and construction of the machine that pushed my buttons so well is extremely in- intricate and efficient yeah but here's the thing. It's a weird fucking, uh, it's a weird, it's a fucking pervert's machine, and I don't want it in my house. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's a pervert's it's, machine. It's a weird, like, bondage fucking machine, and I, I'm over it. It's I'm like, fucking over it. It's like in the later seasons of It's Always Sunny, when Mac has the, the exercise bike that the seat has been taken out and just a big rubber fist has been replaced, and it just punch, it just fists you in the butt while you... Yeah. It's like, yeah. That, that is the spirit of this film. It's a pervert's machine. 
machine, except it's it is. And but, I, it's, but it's so it's so well crafted. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. I don't want to ride it. Pervert, I don't want to ride this bicycle. The pervert, the pervert who built this machine took a long time and yeah. took a lot of care. One thing I do want to talk about, my probably my favorite uh, scene, got probably the most laughs out of me, is um, the hot dog vendor. I was about to say, yes. I love the hot dog oh, vendor. Yeah, best character. Definitely <laughs> uh, first, best character in the film. First thing to note is that his, uh, his hot dog cart is called, it's just called Doggy Style. <laughs> I missed that. Uh, yeah, because the sign is pretty small. It's the kind of thing that you'll miss it if you're not paying attention i almost missed it but he's just like this old white guy with a spray tan who's like pretending to be mexican and it's like (laughs) but but also like not in an offensive way he's not like doing a voice or anything thank god but um he is when when uh big ronnie walks up he's like one dog coming up i'll make it extra piquant for (laughs) you and when he and he says how much is it does it cost and he goes uno dos trace dollars me amigo but when he counts them he counts with the middle finger first which i thought was really funny once again completely stupid and juvenile and then he pays with like the fake money the pay yes the the money prop is just cut out pieces of paper with a badly drawn picture on it wearing sunglasses but we don't know we never find out whether or not like it's him like just trying to pass off like shitty like currency or if it's just what the currency in this world looks like because that's that's where my head went after a little while that's like, what I love. I, I feel like it doesn't ultimately matter. <laughs> because the, I feel like the world is the world is just separated enough from reality that either are equally possible. Yes, yep, absolutely. And I'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the very end because there's like there is a moment where I'm like, okay, this does not exist in the real world. No, I mean um, it never. I mean the cartoon well, violence kind of like. I mean it doesn't, that. but. Anyway, one of my favorite parts of that hot dog vendor scene is. Him insisting that he'll lose his license if he makes the hot dog too greasy. If he puts extra grease uh, on it. Because Ronnie demands the greasiest foods imaginable. That's a motif of this movie. Once again, the repetition, every time he's served food, he says, hey, this isn't right. This is too dry. This is too dry. It needs more grease. I have to lubricate my throat with some grease. And once again... It was funny at first, then it stopped being funny, and then by the end, it was funny again. And <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> the more and more I think about that, the more and more I realize that this movie did that to me with so many things. <laughs> <sighs> The insistence that he would lose his license is a similar thing because I think he insists like five or six times. And it's one of those things where it's that same sense of funny to not funny to funny again. But he's such a likable character, the hot dog vendor, that later... One of the few characters who is likable, I think. Later we see him go back to his house... His trailer. Yeah, his trailer. He was parked on the road. I do, I do want to talk about the missed potential for a gag that we all thought was coming when he goes into the bathroom and opens up the window <laughs> and you see him pull his pants down 
and it looks like he's about to stick his ass out the window and shit. And like that by this point in the movie, that would not have been out of place. <laughs> I would have like I would have been I was what I was ready for it. I was I was begging for it almost. Ew. And then he <laughs> and then he just sits down and takes a shit. So and then gets strangled by and then the, gets, the greasy strangler. Honestly, I, and then gets I think greasy strangled. I think it's funnier that 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 was a I want to use the word subversion. Well, you know, I think there, heady, I think but... there's something I think there's something to be said for the fact that they lull you into this set. I won't say sense of security because it's not secure. No, uh, but like this this mindset where you think that you can see what's coming, and most of the time you can. But I do kind of appreciate, like, as much as I was bummed out, the opportunity to snatch away an obvious gag from the audience, <laughs> like. I kind of I kind of can appreciate that. Okay. Once again, it feels it feels like they did it with intent. One area of this movie that I still don't know how I feel about and I want to expand upon it more is what is your guys' opinion on how they treat the girl in this movie? Is it misogynistic? <sighs> yeah. Um, I mean, yes, but I think there's a like the different question is like is the film's tone misogynistic? I think that's a harder question to answer because the characters are so unlikable that their misogyny feels just as sleazy as like the rest of everything about them. I can't tell how I sp- I'm supposed to feel about these characters in general. You know, I don't know. It, it I really don't know. Builds. For their characters, you know, it feels like, of course, they would be in that respect. And I think this movie's tone makes it feel like the misogynistic part of it that's off-putting. It's the the characters themselves that are off-putting. It almost feels like... Imagine the the house from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Okay. Like, if someone went there and had Stockholm Syndrome by the end of it and just had a a polyamorous relationship with the whole family. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say because like I don't ever feel like Janet is Janet her name? I think so. Yes. I don't yes, ever Janet. feel I don't ever feel like she's being taken advantage of like I did during the bathroom scene. Oh yeah, okay. No, she, that she was in a position where she couldn't escape. And that like, scene very specifically was, yeah, I didn't like no, that scene. No, it makes it makes you feel like you're being fucking. I, like, like, I didn't like that scene in a different way from not liking like, other stuff. Yeah, in no, the movie. that scene in particular, like, like, fuck that scene and a half. And is probably one of the key reasons why, like, I'm mad that I watched this movie again, like as much as respect as I have for it and whatnot. Like, I'm really over feeling like that, like watching <laughs> watching a film like I'm over it. Yeah, no, like, that character, like, couldn't leave, couldn't do whatever. It's fucking gross. And yeah, that's what you're supposed to feel. But fuck you, I don't care. I feel that way. That's the scene where I'll agree with you. Yeah, like, that, I, that's I a line. I could have generally done without that scene in this movie overall. Yeah, man. Um, I think that that's, that's the only legitimate line that they cross that's not just, like, making fun of yeah. the audience. And, and like, I don't, I don't even see that, like... 
generally from like a veil of dislike from like a misogyny perspective. Uh, I think that, no, I mean, like the, the father and son are both wrapped up in their own patriarchal bullshit or whatever. But like that, once again, that's the characters. I don't think that's the filmmakers. But when it does come to like the molestation vibe, the incredibly skeezy, like super uncomfortable, like like sexuality of that scene. Fuck it and a half, man. I would generally agree. <laughs> yeah, it's not cool, man. Well, that's that's one of the the reasons I feel like that scene doesn't really work in the same respect is because a lot of times Janet's character, it feels like it's very consensual what she's involved in for the most part, uh, yeah, where, you know, her agency is pretty much taken away in that scene. That's the big difference. It's like the stuff that Ronnie and Brayden say is like gross and misogynistic, but when the characters are supposed to be disgusting, you know, it's it can be seen as like an like an intentional thing to make them less likable, but and most of the time, like, she has agency in the whole love triangle thing. It's in that scene where she no longer has agency that it feels like a, a bridge too far, even for this movie. I think in one respect, it makes Ronnie feel particularly despicable. Yeah. Especially in comparison to Brayden. And I think they expand upon that dichotomy in the movie after that happens. It, oh, yeah. it still is a skeezy, upsetting scene, but I, I I don't think it's completely useless in the movie to manipulate you into how you're supposed to feel for no, Ronnie I, and Brayden. I think you're right, but I think that the tone of that scene is still supposed to be played for laughs, like a lot of the other stuff in the movie is, and that's where I I think that it's inappropriate, because it's taking something that's not funny and turning it and trying to make you laugh at it, and I think that there are like if you're tr if you're trying to make a character seem despicable, then you can do something like that. I mean, know? even then, like generally, like in in fiction, I, I think it's 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 pretty tried and it's pretty done to like, I mean, make the bad guy feel rapey. But here, like them being misogynistic, like it. I, I didn't feel that way about it. Like, uh, right. For well, the most like, part, except take, this one compare scene. it, compare it to like the big inciting incident in the Nightingale, which we talked about at the end of last year, you know, where this British captain and these soldiers like break into the house and like rape her and kill her husband and baby. And it's like really horrible and bad to watch, but it feels like it has, a Utility, purpose like it's by because design. because it puts you in that character's shoes and gives you the same hatred and rage of those characters that like she's pursuing it holds like narrative impact it doesn't feel like the filmmakers are telling you to laugh it's, at it's it it's not extortion it's not exploitative it's not exploitative thank you um and here, here's what I'll say, right? Like, when it comes to the line-crossing shit, because we keep bringing it up, Guilty Starch, but the movie's called The Greasy Strangler. You get what you fucking paid for, you know? Like, <laughs> yes. You, 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 yes, like, that's fine. That scene isn't what you paid for. It's a very different kind of skis and... And again, like, I agree with, I think you, you framed it well. Like, it has an opposing tone to the rest of the film. It doesn't really belong in the movie in that I way. I think there are plenty like, of what? other scenes where Ronnie makes him, uh, is is very clearly, like, a despicable, shitty person. I don't think you'd lose anything what? by losing that scene. How did you guys view Janet winking during the scene? 
Uh, Stockholm syndrome. I think I think like that's that's not common when you're being molested. You know, like you're in a position that you where you can't escape. You know, like you start to play along for your own fucking safety. We don't know. It could just be willing or whatever. But we're already put in that fucking position. Fucking yikes. Fucking trigger warnings and shit. Whatever. I mean, it's, whatever it's, you fucking. It's one of those. You need. It's one of those things where it's obvious that that is supposed to be the filmmaker telling us like oh haha isn't it so funny like it's fucked up but she's into it and it's like well no it's like it's like okay i see what you're trying to do but can you not anyway like <laughs> yeah. could you just not it it lacks it lacks a maturity <laughs> oh yeah maturity and, and i know i know that sounds i know that sounds weird but intentionally making the most immature film possible in and of itself, like as sort of a celebration of disgusting, gruesome filth, much like John Waters, you know, like that has a kind of like artistic maturity to it. And that scene doesn't. Well, I, that's that's so, what I mean. That so it has funny like an because John Waters, you know, Pink Flamingo has rape scenes in it. Like, sure, sure, sure. Like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not like fully defending the the work of John Waters, or but you know, also different time argument, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's this, this movie was made in 2016. It carries a different weight now than than sure, in, sure, than sure. In when John Waters was making Pink Flamingos. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like you both have very valid points on that the other scene that kind of off put me when i first watched this movie even this time a little bit is how kind of the third act wraps up brayden is hot on the heels of the greasy strangler discovering it's his dad right um and you know he even calls the local policeman the detective jody jody who is obviously just ronnie in a bad outfit with a really gross fingernail i did think that was pretty funny that was great that, that whole gag was great he shows up in like this like 70s detective kind of look with like a leather jacket and scarves and he just has these like super long. six inch like <laughs> yellow manicured nails and the other the other touch that i thought was really great is he's obviously wearing fake teeth that have braces, braces. on them but multiple times in the scenes in the close-up you can see them moving a little bit you know, like they're obviously not held in very well it, i thought that was fantastic no it's it's like a count olaf in disguise yeah like from uh series of unfortunate events like uh in a very different context context which is which was pretty fucking funny yeah it's one of the funnier gags for me it's pretty good and uh the the scene where he's talking in the mirror to himself is pretty funny too uh when he's like uh time to leave jody and it's yeah but just his his reflection takes off his glasses but he doesn't yeah um, but the the reason I brought that up is, uh, you know, eventually Brayden, you know, declares his love for Janet and uh, Ronnie overhears and gets mad and he's hiding under the bed at one point and he uh, eventually is hushed away with some hootie tootie disco cuties. Yep. He runs off. And he comes back as the greasy strangler and takes Janet and... You expect, you know, Brayden to go 
to her rescue. He finds the tub of grease and says, uh, I can I can be a greasy strangler too, and douses himself in it. So of course you assume that he's going to go battle his father, one greasy strangler versus another to save Janet, but then he goes to the movie theater. Which I, I should mention they call the the, the whore house. Yes. <laughs> the whor the horror house. But the, the way they keep saying it, it sounds like whore house. And finds his dad strangling Janet there and then he just starts strangling her too and then her eyeballs pop out like a cartoon. And they eat him. And they eat him just like they've done other or just like Ronnie has done several other times in the movie. And then like, yeah, the the end is like they go for like a walk on the beach and there's like a bonding moment and all the bickering that they've been doing the whole movie is put aside. The fact that Brayden... (laughs) immediately just strangles janet was kind of upsetting to me when i first watched this because it was such a subversion of my expectation that he was going to strangle the strangler the the love that he showed you know it it felt like genuine emotions only to have that subverted feels it felt a little nihilistic in that like i kind of it would if there wasn't like such a non nihilistic bonding moment like yeah, afterwards, that's which yeah, is that's, great. That's the thing like, in the canon of 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 it too. Like it makes sense because like the greasy strangler, like he has to sort of become the greasy strangler. Like whenever he is like greasy and strangling, like he's making like weird animal noises and stuff. It's it's almost like a not really like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, more like Doctor Hyde and Mister Hyde. But um, uh, <laughs> when the son also becomes the strangler, like he also has to strangle her. Too. And like, well, and in a respect, you know, I, I respect it going for, you know, uh, the the son imitating the dad and the dad being proud of the son. Like, those are the, the, the family themes that... It's about family. It's, <laughs> I, have, I have very mixed feelings because on one hand, I do think there's something a little bit problematic just about, like, these two, like, clearly misogynistic losers who have been jealously engaged in a love triangle with this woman for the the whole movie, killing her off. Like, there's something that, that feels, like, kind of weird about that. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, just like Cleveland said, the fact that it becomes sort of, like, a quote-unquote heartwarming, like, bonding moment. Because, like... Brayden and Ronnie have been, like, bickering for the entire movie. Like, they they don't get along at all. So, like, kind of seeing that as, like, their resolution together, that, like, they found common ground over being murderers, where it's, like... Hilarious. It's, it's funny, and it feels... It feels kind of like a satisfying subversion because I was expecting him to just go save Janet too. And as weird as that whole thing is, I was grossed out enough by like the whole romantic everything in this movie that the fact that the romance doesn't win in the end was almost satisfying because and this is going to sound this is going to sound kind of weird but like once she was out of the picture i knew that the that the weird sex 
stuff was done. You know what I mean? Like they killed her. And I was like, I was like, Oh, thank God. I'm not going to have to watch any more gross sex scenes in this movie. And I didn't. Yeah. Well, and, like, well, and and <laughs> you, you make an interesting point in that, you know, the expectations were subverted in that romance didn't win in the end, because obviously that would be too saccharine and too sweet where this not movie greasy enough. is. Yeah. It's not greasy enough. You gotta, you gotta get some greasy, greasy ending. It would have been, been too greasy movie. It would have been too dry if they, if he had mm-hmm. saved her. Right, and then it goes full blown surreal. Yes, uh, you know, as the father and son, they hunt down the the evil stepdad, which was great. Uh, oh, what was his name? Ricky Prickles. Ricky Prickles. <laughs> Ricky Prick. I think yeah, yeah it was Ricky Prickles. <laughs> You're so right, though. Like about the Napoleon Dynamite comparison. Yeah, right on the money, really. Uh, but like. Uh, yeah, Ricky Prickles, they hunt him down, they eat his eyeballs, and uh, and then they get captured by a firing squad of extras from the film. Uh, well, no, 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 no. They're, they're running through the woods, all bestial and animalistic, covered in grease with, like, their pointy spears, like, stick spears they've made. Mm-hmm. And they come across their non-greasy selves tied to poles and like killed by firing squad by like these random dudes and then the greasy versions of themselves run off into the the wilderness yeah like cavemen right and then the the last shot is them like approaching the camera like breaking the fourth wall growling and like poking their, <laughs> their sticks, sticks at, at, at at you at the at audience you, at the audience and i feel like that was such an appropriate yeah. way to end this movie is like these two disgusting greasy beasts just growling and and jabbing at mm-hmm. you like that's what the whole fucking movie was <laughs> I, I gotta say too like when they get their human selves get shot at by the the firing squad of extras from the movie uh and their heads pop open i love the confetti effect it's like confetti and champagne like comes out yeah. of their heads like and it's like it's, this like firework like effect it's it's great it's it's well done and i'm not gonna thank it too much more because I start mm, okay another thing about this ending right first off it was great but the weird thing is like I was begging for this movie I was begging for this film to be over I wanted to get away from this movie yeah same and if I praise the ending too much I just I start to feel like a bondage sub who's like grateful for finally being given water after they've been like told they're not allowed to have it it feels weird mm. i mean God the, damn ending, this film. the ending feels like like a final fuck you you know it's like it completely descends into like you said into the surreal and just like no explanation for it and it's just like in the in those last couple of minutes much like a nightmare you know this really bizarre visceral fever dream just kind of disintegrates and you wake up you know like it's as as much as I was ready for the movie to be over too, I did really like those last couple of minutes. It feels like the most appropriate way to end mm-hmm. something like this. Yes. You really do because like the rest of the film like it it gets like cartoony but never like full-blown surreal hardly. Right. Um it's, to, it, like to I give said, you it's a in surreal that, it's ending. In that uncanny valley. Yeah. It's, it's just enough offset from reality that it feels distinctly unsettling but still recognizable mm-hmm. as as reality and then like when the end happens it's like the simulation just you know crumbles breaks and down the cool you know? thing about that is like you really do like feel like you've been set free 
because like the film itself is telling you none of this matters. They have champagne. Exactly. In their heads. Yes. Like you're. It's almost yeah. like you it's don't a dream. Have to pay fuck you. Anymore. And, and like have- I've I've never been so grateful for a film to tell me to go fuck myself. Thank you. I'm great. I, I'm 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 happy to. I will gladly leave now. Very interesting feeling to have. Yeah. Over a yeah, film. I've never well, been so grateful for a uh, just a jack off like whatever ending before. It's so uncanny valley, like you said, where it's only punctuated by those cartoon violence surreal moments and you certainly get surrealism to an extent in the rest of the movie i but mean the whole thing is surreal in like a lynchian sense but it's like well that's why i like not. to use the word cartoon like yeah, it's, it's more about texture in the rest of the movie more than pure absurdity the absurdity only being the hyper violence and the the eating the eyeballs and right. the goofy stuff like that um yeah because there's, there's definitely a difference between like cartoon and and surreal technically like the figures on the the sistine ceiling are are like cartoon realism like that's you know that's a, that's a cartoon as opposed to like dolly you know yeah like, sure like reality breaking down that's that's quite different well seeing seeing acme-esque looney tune style yeah choking you know, somebody until their eyes pop out yeah is, that uh, that's yeah. it's uh, not the same as like champagne busting out of their head it seeing it with it. humans though is equally surreal in my perspective it's just a different type of surreal I think we're getting a little bit um, semantic, semantic yeah, at this point, but like, I think surreality is like best described as like dreamlike, either a good dream or a bad dream. It's like, you don't pay attention to the logic in dreams. You just accept. And it's things that are based on reality, but not. And I think that this movie does feel very much like a dream. I, in many, many ways, a very, very nightmare. bad dream. It's a nightmare. Uh, yeah. It will. It's, more so than a nightmare, it really is like the definition of a fever dream, like the kind of <laughs> yeah. anxiety-inducing, repetitive nightmare that you have when you're really sick. Yeah, you and know? much like a dream, it bounces between things feeling like they're extended forever and moments that are like flash of flash of the eye go by so fast. Yeah. Um, and it's so one of a kind, I don't think I've seen a movie that handles its tone quite like this one you know even lynchian movies i feel like are a little i hate to say it but more grounded yes in a respect for sure i agree um, i agree god well, damn you just resorted lynch and grounded in the same sentence yeah what the fuck we'll have to cover we'll have to cover eraser head on this podcast yeah. at some point I, I, have, that, I have never seen if, it if i was particularly mean i'd want us to cover like inland empire on the podcast <sighs> I would watch it again, but I wouldn't know how to talk about it. No, it, it's think, a movie. I think I think we could talk about too much to talk about. I think we could talk about Eraserhead or you know like Blue Velvet or something like that. Yeah. But I think Inland Empire is a little <laughs> bit that's uh, that's too heady for this yes, podcast. I yes, think. Yes, I think so. Um, well. Ben, you were you were kind of summarizing your thoughts on this movie. Why don't you slap a rating? On sure, that? sure. I think so, it's about time. one thing I really respect out of movies is how movies can make you feel certain emotions, and I don't think there's any movie that makes me feel more grossed out than this movie. Yeah, I I think this movie is beautifully grotesque pretty funny in all of its absurdity and such a singular unique vision that while it's oftentimes frustrating 
and disgusting. It's very intentionally so. I don't love this movie, but I can't forget it. And it will be stuck in my head probably forever. Hootie tootie, disco cutie. Hootie tootie, disco cutie. Um, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. I think it's worth a watch for any adventure, adventurous viewers. I would definitely recommend checking out Jim Hosking's other stuff. He has a really good other movie called uh, An Evening with Beverly, Beverly Lufflin. Uh, starring Aubrey Plaza and Craig Robinson, where much of the the same tone is there, but it's a lot less gross. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is one of a kind, and it's horrifying in its own unique special way. Clave? Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Earlier on the podcast, I mentioned uh, the polarity. So because of that, and uh, I'm I'm just going to go right down the middle. Uh, I, I weird that I'm giving this the same rating as The Haunt, but I really don't know how else to go about it, uh, or Haunt, or whatever that movie was called. Um, I've already forgotten the fucking name of it. Uh, uh, 2.5. And also, uh, uh, on, on that point, stop. Ben, stop. <laughs> Cut it the fuck out. Me. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, you think telling him to stop is going to encourage him to stop? Honestly. We like, need one I'm, of us to pick the weird ones. I'm, uh, well, there's weird and there's there's sex shit. Mm. I didn't realize you were so prude. Like, <laughs> yeah, because that's the that's where the line is drawn. Uh, the, right, okay. Um, that's all. Tease? <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, like who, man? I I really appreciate the artifice of this film. I I have a lot of respect for how like intricately it made made it is for just like how fucking immature and just fucking stupid a lot of it is. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to bring myself to watch this movie again. Maybe not. No. At least not in like. You couldn't fucking f- in tie me down. Full, at least not in <laughs> I'd full. I'd chew through the ropes. I feel like I'd watch specific sequences again, but like I would have to be in a really, really weird particular headspace to have any desire to watch this movie again. Uh, and I was having. I, I hated. I hated a lot of it, but I know that I was supposed to hate it. And so, you know, I can't I can't give it like a genuinely bad rating for accomplishing exactly what it set out to accomplish. I'm going to rate it based off my experience and uh, and I'm going to give it a three uh, out of five right between you guys, because like you said, Cleve, like it's a pervert's machine and I and I appreciate and respect the way it's made, but I don't really want it in my house. Yep. Um, so that'll give the greasy strangler an average of three out of five pods. Unlike you, Ben, I don't think I would recommend this movie. No, same. I think that if you're the kind of adventurous that would get something out of this movie, you don't need a recommendation. You'll find your way there on your own. I mean, think about (laughs) people who really love Tim and Eric. No, nope, I love Tim like and Eric. This? I I wouldn't, and I don't I like think, this. I think they would like. I think they would like things about it. Like, yeah. It, have you guys seen Billion Dollar Movie? Their movie that they did no. years back. Mm-mm. It's very similar in how grotesque it gets at times. Like I'm thinking of the bathtub of shrimp. And John C. Riley just being absolutely disgusting in it. But is it like is it gross sex stuff? 
Because, like, that's what's really difficult about this movie is the gross sex stuff. Yep. Like, when, if I if I recommended this movie to my friends, like, I would be worried about, like, how they felt about me recommending it which to is, them. Which is why I say, like, I don't hate this movie, but, like, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I think if you're the type of adventurous that you would get something out of this movie. You feel like we, like, you'll find, mm. you'll find it on your own. You'll yeah. get, you'll get there on your own. And if you get there on your own and you discover this movie, then you'll probably get something out of it. Um, uh, the last fun trivia tidbit I want to mention that I did read is, um, there's one scene at the end where they're on the beach where, uh, Ronnie is telling Brayden about how he's, he's probably making up a bullshit story about how when, uh, Brayden was a baby, they lived on a boat with John Travolta for a while and like sailed around and like what John Travolta wanted him to open a disco in New Orleans, Michael St. Michael, who played Ronnie, used to be John Travolta's hairdresser in real life. Really? <laughs> yeah. He does have magnificent hair. He does. The the only feature you could really say that uh, about him that, uh, to be magnificent in this film. Um, so his thought, hair is very flowing and, and, and lovely. I uh, thought that was a pretty fun uh, little bit of trivia mm-hmm. that Michael St. Michaels used to be John Travolta's hairdresser. Yeah, I, I do hate to bring up another thing when we've already rated. But normally, like when it comes to like feeling adventurous about movies, I think there's something to be said for like strange films, weird stuff. There's something to be said for, like, you learning more about yourself, you know, like, being like, oh, now I know I don't like this thing or whatever. But, like, I felt like I already knew I didn't like those things going into this movie. <laughs> so I didn't really learn anything about myself in that respect either. Like, I don't I don't feel like I, I don't know what I what I obtained, you know, from from this film in that sense. I don't think like, I learned anything about myself either, but I do feel like I got a greater appreciation for what it's like to try to make disgusting people an art, if, like making so, the art of making something gross. You know, I think okay. I, I think I gained okay, I think I, can, I, can I gained something in that respect. Okay, you know that, who that's, that's I will point. recommend this movie to if you like John you're Waters a movies, you're a pervert, which is yeah. very. It's like a circle. <laughs> it's not a Venn diagram. It's, it's just a, a circle. circle. John Waters fans and perverts. Um, but if you like early John Waters movies, you'll probably enjoy this. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. That's pretty fair. And and it's a very specific kind of pervert. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I, 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 you know, like... If you're a furry, you probably won't like this movie. Nope. I think there's a lot of types of pervert you can if you be have and an still an, not like this film. If you have an anime body pillow, you probably won't like this movie. <laughs> Um, well, darn, I guess that's why I don't like it. Hmm. Speaking of anime body pillows, Cleveland, what's our sponsor for this week? I'm so glad you mentioned it. This episode was was brought to you by the new and also old snack that is has been around since you were your, your own worst enemy. Uh, it is... It is it is the bacon cupcake and it it's instant and you can put it in the microwave, uh, but but only if you enjoy the taste of bacon cupcakes. <laughs> so, Cleve, I have the obvious question. All right, uh, it, I'm I'm sure it's really obvious. What is it? Are these cupcakes greasy? Um. Uh. So. Here's the thing, right? It really depends on uh, how long you leave it in the microwave. 
for whatever reason that science hasn't actually been able to explain yet, the longer you leave it in the microwave, the greasier it gets. Normally, the grease would dry away in the microwave. Scientists still haven't been able to understand why the cupcake is doing this, and that's why it's so good. Get it today. And... And die alone. (laughs) All right, I can't wait to die alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week on the show, we're continuing our run of guest episodes. We will be having somebody next week who has never been on the show before. uh, And we will be talking about a film of her choosing. Uh, She has chosen The Exorcist 3, which I have never seen I've only seen the first Exorcist, and it'll be our first Exorcist film that we talk about on the show, too. Yeah. Uh, so that should be uh, pretty fun. I'm looking forward to it. Me, too. Same. Um, if you like this show, and I don't know why you wouldn't when we bring you such fine episodes about such fine movies like The Greasy Strangler, uh, why don't you slip and slide on over to Apple Podcasts and with your greasy fingers, hit the five stars and uh, slippery type us a nice little review. Uh, that would really mean a lot to us. You can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and on Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes uh, follow me on Twitter at Deep State Aussie if it strikes your fancy. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm sometimes and generally rarely tweeting for Light Arc Studio as we continue to push out our next game because I'm so busy I don't have time to tweet. Uh, but you can always uh, keep an eye on our Steam page for It Stares Back as uh, we uh, continue to roll out uh, new content for our game or uh, build up content to roll out for our game. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's a spooky RTS game. Uh, and if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, if you you like the aesthetics of of things like Starcraft and whatnot, like you might you might have a good time and uh, Dark Souls lore spookiness written by Tease and uh, wonderful spooky sounds created by ben there's lots of wonderful things to like in this game the music is way better than the music in the greasy strength <laughs> i agree i agree wholeheartedly um uh and then uh you can also check out my art uh uh not in motion but stills uh of of my art uh it moves in the game um uh on art station and, uh, yeah, uh, check it out. Check out my work. And uh, if you like it, uh, maybe you should me a message. You know, I'm open for commissions. All right. Well, come back next week for The Exorcist. It'll probably be less gross than this episode. But speaking of gross, I'm all about the ropes, baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>